0: You're listening to 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms, Episode 206, Mindset Shifts for When Your Kids Are Really Hard. Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30-minute episode will feature three doable takeaways for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here. My friend, I have a huge announcement as we start off this episode. My brand new program, Self- Assured Motherhood, is open for enrollment now through this Friday, November 5th at midnight, and I would love for you to join. In this program, you and I and a group of other committed moms and listeners of 3 and 30 will spend nine months diving into the nine pillars of self-assured motherhood, one per month. For the first three months we will learn how to truly know ourselves through voicing our values, celebrating our strengths, and studying our story. Once we know ourselves, we will work to honor our needs by bolstering our boundaries, sanctifying our soul care, and pursuing our purpose. And finally, once we've learned how to take care of ourselves and bring the best of ourselves to our lives, we will dive into how to love our people better by gathering the good, communicating for connection, and supporting their struggles. This will be a comprehensive and life-changing program where you will have the chance to work closely with me to learn how to infuse more of yourself into your motherhood and life in order to reclaim your joy. And I hope that you will join us. Enrollment in this program also includes a free ticket to a private online Declutter Your Motherhood workshop that I will be teaching just for the group of women in the program. And I cannot wait. To learn more about the program and reserve your spot, go to 3 30 podcastcom slash SAM. And SAM stands for Self-Assured Motherhood. That's 3 30 podcastcom slash Sam. And don't forget, enrollment closes at midnight on Friday, so there's not much time. So hurry over if you're interested in learning more. For my episode today, I wanted to give you a taste of what this program will be like and feel like. So I'm airing one of the calls that I did in a similar program that I ran in 2019 and early 2020 with a group of about 20 amazing women who wanted to overcome overwhelm so that they could find more confidence and contentment in their motherhood. This is very similar to what our weekly calls in the Self-Assured Motherhood program will be like. I will teach a class with three takeaways and then we will dive in deeply and discuss together what we are learning and how it applies to our individual situations and families. My favorite thing about 3 and 30 is the amazing caliber of women that are a part of this community and you are going to hear that in this call. I did want to tell you that I got all of these women's permission before I aired this recording. And also, one of them is my sister, and she and I have very similar voices. So see if you can figure out which commenter is related to me. Also, because this was a class with 20 participants, there is a lot more noise than you would typically hear in the background of one of my episodes. And my audio isn't that great, but the content is great. So I hope that you can forgive me for the audio and just focus on the content. As you're listening to the episode, if you are thinking, I would love to be part of a group like this... Please go to 3 30 podcastcom slash Sam for more information, and don't forget that enrollment closes on Friday. Okay, so this is my class on how to manage your thoughts and expectations when your kids are being really hard. Here we go. I want to start by asking you to take a second to brainstorm and write down on a sheet of paper what immediately comes to mind as the hardest issues you're currently facing with your kids. Write down as many as come to mind. And then I am gonna switch so I can see the chat for a minute. And I want everyone to type in one of the biggest struggles you're having with your kids. So I'm gonna read it off. Um, whining and sibling fights. I have a son I want to go deeper with and I'm not getting there with him. Fighting and talking mean, and assuming to each other, the kids, or maybe us talking mean to our kids. That happens as well. Being a bad sport or sore loser refusing to admit when he's wrong or someone else won. The balance between connection and loving fun time and teaching them chores, responsibilities, keeping the house in a state that I can think in. Getting my kids to follow directions the first time. Patience with my slower paced oldest child, her energy style is totally different from mine. Oldest son is rarely happy, always mad, grumpy and destructive, etc. Oh, also he lies. So, so many of those behaviors, I'm sure we can all relate to. I can relate to every single one of those. And I'm hoping that the three takeaways that I give you today, you'll be able to see how they apply to your specific struggle with your children. They're not going to be about changing your children so much as changing yourself and the way that you view the hard behaviors. And hopefully that will give you a little bit more peace around the issues. I do think that there are certain skills that we can gain as parents or that we can teach our children to help with some of these things that you just said. But I think more than anything, it has to start with us being in a good emotional, mental place as we approach the misbehavior. And then we're so much more likely to be able to help them from a place of love instead of frustration. And you're making my life difficult and all of those things. So takeaway number one is to remember that you can't protect your kids from process. And I'll explain what that means, but I love this phrase, you can't protect from process. So what that means is that I think of it like photos in an old school dark room, which now we don't do as much and we don't see as much. But if you can picture that, photographers used to have to go into the dark room, and they'd expose their film, and they would have to, like, put it through these different steps. And that was the process that it took for that film to develop properly. And there was no skipping the process. Like, you couldn't skip over steps. You couldn't say, this is too hard, or this is too long. And that is the way it is with developing a human being. And there's steps to that and you can't protect your kids or jump over or skip over steps in the process you have to believe that all of the hard behaviors that they're exhibiting when they're little are part of the process of them becoming who they're supposed to be and one thing that Jody Moore talks about sometimes is the idea that maybe it's supposed to be this way like maybe my kid is supposed to have a problem with this weakness, like being really competitive and not being able to admit when he's wrong in order to develop the skills that he's gonna need and the strengths that he's gonna need. And I can't protect him from the process, even though it's annoying and hard to live with that while he's young. He needs to go through the process or the hard thing in order to develop into who he's supposed to be. And just remembering that our kids are in process that obviously they're not adults yet and they haven't had the time to process through and build these strengths yet, but that doesn't mean that they never will. And I think sometimes we as parents catastrophize and we think like this means that he's never going to be a good sport. This means that he's always going to be a liar. Like what is, what's going to happen? How is he going to maintain relationships someday? And that spirals us into a place where we can't parent from our most loving place because we're just so fearful about how this might affect their life long term. And another quote that I love, especially for parents of teenagers, is J.R. Tolkien. This is a really famous quote, but he said, not all who wander are lost. And I have reminded some of my friends of that when they have had Teenagers who have really struggled or kind of like wandered off the path that they intended for them, that not all who wander are lost, and they'll probably come back even stronger and more sure of what they believe. And even if they don't come back to the path that you think that they should be on, that doesn't mean that they're necessarily lost. It might mean that they have a different path but as long as we're coming from integrity and how we're parenting them, and maintaining the relationship, then things are always going to turn out better. If we can believe not all who wander are lost and my kid is not a lost cause, and I'm always gonna you know, see the best in them and put that first in my parenting. And so that's my overall big takeaway is to just remember that the kids are okay. This is all a process. We can't protect them from the process. And I don't know if you guys heard my episode about how patience is a willingness to suffer and that sometimes the hardest thing in parenting is just being patient and suffering through their really hard behaviors. So I want to hear, before I move on to the next takeaway, I want to hear what thoughts you guys have on this or questions that you have.
1: I'm reading the child whisperer again. And um, mm-hmm. She talks a lot, like even like my slow child, because she's not like me. Like I'm more like, let's go, let's go, let's get this done. Let's shove 50 things into like a five thing time period. And I, again, it's my own expectations that it's not being done how I think it should be done. And she's doing it how she thinks she should be done. And she sees herself as being successful. And in my eyes, I may not think that that's successful. But if I take a step back, there's nothing not successful about it or not right about it. It's just
0: Mm -hmm. doing
1: it kind of her style and her process,
0: not my process. This is like how she needs to do it for herself. Yeah. And one thing that I thought of when you were talking, Meg, is that that daughter is part of your process Mm -hmm. and you're becoming a better person because of her. And maybe she's teaching you how to slow down a little. Maybe she's teaching you things that you need to learn. You know, you can't protect yourself from process and you can't protect them from process. Mm -hmm. So thanks for sharing that. What other thoughts do you guys have about this
2: you can't protect from process? One thing that you said that I feel like really stuck with me that I can see is the idea that maybe it's supposed to be this way, that something that's really annoying in their personality is actually a really good strength in some ways if you can make yourself see it that way. So I was the one with the really competitive son. And I always try to think if he can learn to channel this while he's young, Think of like how driven he's going to be and if he can learn not to be a poor sport. It's not that being competitive is necessarily a terrible characteristic if you can learn to channel it and use it to be really successful. So I think that that is one thing that I took away was maybe when he's older, maybe when he's in high school or then in college, I'll be able to laugh and be like, you know he was able to accomplish this this and this because he wanted to be the best but he learned not to burst into tears and storm out of the room every time he lost to the game
0: right which he will he will learn that eventually
2: right and i'm like i just have to remember that he's he's a little kid still and he has these big emotions he doesn't know how to handle so try to find the characteristic behind the annoying behavior that will serve them well later
3: i have a sister who she's going through chemo for the fourth time so she's 39 and she's had breast cancer and colon cancer and and one time this was brought up in a church setting about a little girl who was so stubborn and so hard and she's like I know that maybe this will serve her later the mom was talking about that and it hit me that was my sister when she was little and so now here she is as an adult she's had to for 15 years fight cancer and you guys she fights it like It's amazing watching her. It's hard watching her. And that's what hit me was, you don't know what those little characteristics. And my mom would write in her journal, something about this little person is going to be a fighter. And that's what she is. It's incredible.
0: Yes. Let's pause this amazing conversation for just a second to thank the companies who are making this episode possible. First, this podcast is sponsored by KiwiCo, a company that curates and sends seriously fun and enriching art projects for kids of all ages delivered via a monthly subscription box that can be paused or canceled at any time. Many of us are starting to think about holiday gifts for the kiddos in our lives. And KiwiCo is the one-stop gift shop for kids of every interest and age. Children can discover the mechanics behind everyday objects, learn the science of cooking, explore new cultures, and practice new art and design techniques, all through fun, hands-on projects. After trying KiwiCo with my own children and seeing how creative and high quality the crates are, I decided to give a subscription to my niece and nephew for Christmas a few years ago. They had so much fun building a solar system, exploring the human body, and learning about animals, and they would send me photos of their creations after they'd finished them. Their mom also loved this gift because it kept the kids busy and learning for the afternoon. So this is truly a gift for the whole family. This holiday season, give the gift of a fun, hands-on holiday experience with KiwiCo. Get 50% off your first month, plus free shipping on any crate line with the code 3in30 at KiwiCo.com. That's 50% off your first month at KiwiCo.com. Promo code 3in30. This podcast is also sponsored by Nutraful, 100% drug-free nutraceutical supplements that promote hair wellness from within. As moms, we all know how much our hair changes due to hormonal shifts during pregnancy, postpartum, and menopause, and also just with aging, stress, and the busyness of life. Research shows that 30 million women are impacted by weakened or thinning hair. So if you're among them, know you're not alone, and there's a solution you can trust to deliver results. Nutrafol offers two targeted formulas for women that are clinically shown to improve hair growth and thickness with less shedding through all stages of life. I recently went to Nutrafol.com to take their hair wellness quiz and got personalized product recommendations that are unique to my hair's needs. I just started taking my supplements and I'm so excited to see how my hair grows and strengthens over the next several months. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and entering the promo code 3in30 to save $15 off your first month's subscription. This is their best offer anywhere and it's only available to U.S. customers for a limited time. Plus free shipping on every order. Get $15 off at Nutrafol.com spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L dot com promo code three and 30. And now back to the show. Okay. Second takeaway is don't make your child's behavior mean anything about you. So I'll say that one more time. Don't make your child's behavior mean anything about you because when you do that actually becomes really selfish. So, If you're worried that their behavior means that you're a bad mom or means that other people are judging you, that means that you're way more concerned about yourself and your image versus them and their development. We can do all of the best parenting and we should, but just remembering that their hard behaviors are not about us and keeping that perspective so that we can parent from love And not parent from a place of fear about what it means about us. And another thing that I think with that, I thought about this willingness to suffer thing a lot. And I think that another way that we have to be willing to suffer in parenting is suffering the judgment of other people. And being willing to not change who we are or who we expect our kids to be. Because it's a little painful to suffer the judgment of other people. It's okay to stay in your identity and know you're a good mom and make a decision for your kids that's different than what other people are doing. I have a friend who I know has been fighting big battles with her teenage daughter. Her teenage daughter has rebelled big time and it's been so hard on them. And one of the battles that her mother has decided to let go of is modesty. And so she lets her daughter wear what she wants to wear because it's not a battle that she's willing to fight with her daughter anymore. And so what's interesting is I kind of have this behind the scenes of what's going on in their home. And I was recently with a group of women who were talking about, I can't believe that the Andersons let their daughter dress like that. And they were like, they're such a strong family and they go to church and stuff like, why did they let their daughter dress like that and totally judging the parents? And of course, I jumped in and defended. But also, it doesn't matter. Like, my friend has decided to suffer the judgment. She knows other parents are judging her, and she's decided to suffer that because her relationship with her daughter is more important. And she's not making her daughter's modesty mean anything about her as a mom. She's making their relationship mean something about her as a mom. And and even that can be super rocky. So I guess what she's making mean something about her as a mom is the way that she loves her daughter. Not even necessarily the way that her daughter gives love back to her, but just, am I showing up and loving my daughter in a way that is from integrity and from the best within me? If so, it doesn't really matter what other people think of me. Her behavior doesn't have anything to do with whether or not I'm a good mom. So that's another takeaway that can kind of help you cut through the noise and the clutter of worrying about different behaviors with your kids, like getting honest with yourself about about why am I worried about this? Is it because I want the best for them? Or is it because of how it reflects on me? Or even if people don't know about your kid's behavior, like the modesty one, people know about it. I think sometimes those behaviors within our homes, we make them mean something about us. Like when my son treats my little girl like garbage, I will fully admit that my thought process is what have I done to raise him to think that it's okay for him to treat his little sister like that. It makes me feel like a bad mom. I'm like, I'm a bad mom that he would think that that's okay. I'm not doing enough. Love of blood. And I have to stop and be like, his being mean to his sister has nothing to do with me. I just need to teach him and hold them accountable that I don't need to make this about me, because then that doesn't come from a good place within me. So any thoughts on that takeaway, having to do with parenting?
3: One of my friends told me, like, if you're gonna take credit for all of their good behavior, you have to take credit for all their bad. And that's stuck (laughs) in my head. I'm like, okay, (laughs) if I want to give myself points for that he's a good eater. Then I also have to give myself points for that he's like so being mean to his little sister or whatever, I'm and that's so that helps me I'm to so kind that, of mellow I'm out so with that, judgment because then yes. you you can't take credit for everything they do, good or bad. You know, they're their own yes. I, I
0: and I have a friend who says take take fifty percent credit for of both. She's like, I'll take fifty percent credit for the good that they do, and I'll also take fifty percent credit for the bad that they do, and I'll forgive myself for the bad that they do and know that I am a human too. And yeah, maybe some of my parenting is contributing. Like I have a son who's a picky eater and I do know that part of it is because I'm a picky eater and because I haven't encouraged him to eat differently. So yeah, some of that is on me and I sometimes I feel bad about it and it, it kind of start to spiral and think, I'm such a bad mom, I should have taught him better, blah, blah, blah. But now I'm just like, nope, Rachel, stop. Because you know what? you can't be good at everything. And yeah, you haven't taught Noah how to be a good eater, but you have taught Noah how to control his really big emotions. And that's something that you've done very well. And so forgive yourself for not being perfect and forgive them for not being perfect and realize that you're just doing the best that you can. And that actually leads really well into my third takeaway, which is let them feel their emotions. I really feel like This is the fundamental parenting skill that I have learned that has changed everything in my home. I'm not great with charts, and I'm not great with consequences, and I'm like all these things, which will be wonderful to have, but I have learned to let my kids just feel their emotions without trying to fix them, without shaming the emotion, without minimizing the emotion, and it has made such a difference in our home. So with these behaviors, when these behaviors are hard, it often comes with like a really big emotion that you just want to squash and you just want to tell them to knock it off or tell them that it's not that big of a deal or whatever. And instead holding space for them to have the emotion, even Laura with you, with Luke, being super competitive, like holding space for the idea that actually this is really a big deal to him. Like he feels a genuine loss here. And instead of being like, that's stupid or get it together, or it's not that big of a deal, recognizing that to him, it is a big deal. To a five-year-old, it is a big deal. And that doesn't mean that you like pander to it or you say, actually, we'll all play again so that you can win. But I think just saying like, yeah, it's really hard when you lose. And validating it. And for me, with my son that has really big emotions, first I just listen and empathize. And then later we problem solve and talk about how we could have handled it better. And a lot of times it's him that comes around to saying, I wish I would have done this, or without me having to preach to him or fix it or anything. I've just gotten really good at sitting with him when he's raging or just letting him rage in his room. And then holding space and, and not jumping in immediately and then later talking through it with him and teaching him the skill that he needs to have. And so with whatever behaviors your kids are exhibiting or emotions, big emotions that they're having, if you can just remind yourself that emotions are okay and emotions aren't scary and they don't mean anything about you and they don't mean anything about your kid, but just to kind of hold space for those that's when they'll be able to process and you'll be able to coach them through. So what thoughts do you have about that?
2: Yeah, I think it's similar to Rachel to
1: when you think about like, when I have a conversation with my husband and you want them to just listen to you. And it's this whole little thing called, it's not about the nail. And it's this funny video where there's a nail sticking out of her head. And she's like, I don't know. I keep ripping all my sweaters and I keep doing this. And he's like, there's a nail. And she's like, I don't want you to fix it. And then he's like, oh, that must be hard for you. And you're like, thank you. And you just want that sympathy, or that empathy back. For our kids, it's the same problem that we feel like when we're having a really hard time. And it's like, you're not in that spot to fix what you want. You just need to vent and get it out and
0: have someone say, yeah, that is hard and I'm here for you. And totally, so- totally. And I just went to that Gottman marriage thing. Yeah. And she talked about how to be a good listener. And she said that one thing that you can do which sounds crazy, but it works is to just repeat the last three words Hmm. of whatever they're saying to you. So they're like, we were on the playground and Johnny kicked me. And then you say, Johnny kicked you. And then they like, keep going. And they're like, and I was so mad. And you're like, oh, you were so mad. Hmm. And you let them process through it. And then they start solving. So yeah. And Stacy, what were you going to add?
3: I I can try to find the link to this, but there was a class I just taught about shark music. So shark music is like the soundtrack that you hear when your child is doing something. And oftentimes it has to do with their big emotions, you know, like throwing a tantrum on the playground or melting down because he didn't get the last slice of cake or whatever it is. And then we have the shark music, usually of other people's judgments, making it so much worse. So you imagine like walking walking to the ocean, hearing the Jaws music in the background versus walking to the ocean without any of that music in the background and how much our shark music can affect the way that we perceive our child's behavior. And for me, that's been a big part of of emotion coaching in my house because it's so hard to let them have their emotions when I was taught not to have any, that it was like a source of weakness. And so Mm -hmm. for me, I'm like, okay, that's my shark music. That's on me, not on them. I will suffer through this (laughs) screaming fit and the boundary doesn't move but but the emotions are allowed to be felt I don't know that's been really helpful for me because it it takes me out of it just
0: I (laughs) love what you said there about it's the same exact scenario but with different music playing in the background and how you can really frame things how you want. That's a concept I've been really interested in lately and it's come up a lot in my episodes in different ways. The idea of framing things and thinking of it as this child is practicing, this child is learning, and that's just like the frame you're seeing it through, but it makes all the difference in your ability to stay patient when you frame it that way. And so choosing the frame or the music that you want to have playing in the background, I think is really powerful. What else? Anybody else, especially maybe someone we haven't heard from yet, having any thoughts as these takeaways are shared? So
4: I have something. Um, I really struggle sometimes with knowing what my role is in all of this because you hear that like the role of a mom is so important and you're your child's first and best teacher and you read books to learn skills, to help them through things, but then When it's not working, you're not supposed to take it personally. And you know what I mean? So it's just, I struggle with knowing what my role is. And do I ignore their behavior? Do I try and teach them skills?
0: I don't know. (laughs) I've given this a lot of thought. And I think that you have to define what a good mom is for yourself. And when I think about the definition of a good mom has nothing to do with their behavior. It only can have something to do with my behavior. A good mom behaves towards her children in this way. And so then their behavior doesn't change whether or not I'm a good mom, if that makes sense. And that doesn't mean that you have to be perfectly patient all the time in order to be a good mom. But like, you love your children, you teach your children, whether or not they follow what you teach them, you're not shirking that responsibility so you're loving them you're teaching them and you're apologizing and trying again when things don't go well to me those are the three fundamental things that i need to be doing in my life to feel good about how i am mothering and then that doesn't mean that their behavior isn't frustrating but if i can stay in my lane of what's my responsibility then i know i'm doing my job if that makes sense
4: yeah, to remember that m- my peace of mind is going to come from the effort I know I'm making. And then regardless of how that plays out on their end, I can at least be confident you know, that I'm trying my best. So
0: Yeah, like if you are teaching them and you are trying every day, that's all that you can do to be a good mom. And whatever they do, so be it. But if you can stay in that, it can ease a lot of the guilt and the frustration and why isn't this going better? And I'm, I'm putting my whole heart and soul into it. Another thing, one of my friends said to me this week that really struck me, she said something like, I'm so glad, I'm so grateful that I had a really hard firstborn because it, without a doubt, made me a better mother. It made me a better human because I learned that I couldn't control his behavior And so it made me a better human. And I'm like, isn't that like, that's the whole point of parenting. It's not them and how they're going to turn out. It's us and how we're going to turn out. The development and the process that's happening within us as a result of the lessons that we are trying to teach them. And we're asking for forgiveness and we're doing all these things like that's changing who we are, which matters way more than really in a way who they're becoming because we can't control who they're becoming we can try to influence, but we can't control it. And then their process is going to happen naturally when they become parents and all of these other things. What other thoughts do you guys have? Or do you have any other words of encouragement?
1: I had a thought. It kind of goes back to the second takeaway, but I don't know. I have a hard time with this one. Don't make your child's behavior anything about you. Cause I just noticed that with me when I'm like feeling really depressed and just not happy, which I've been probably most of my oldest son's life that I find, you know, I it's almost like I've taught him to always be stressed out and to always be getting frustrated about all these little things. And I think a lot of it is his personality. So he might be a little bit more like me, but I think that he's learned a lot of those things from me as well. And I've just noticed in the last few months as I, as I've been making so many changes Like I've noticed so many changes in him. And so I just feel like when me and my husband are more calm and we're more patient and just not getting so worked up about everything and just like micromanaging that I find that, you know, I see them acting that way. But then when we're always just frazzled about everything, then they can sense it. And so then they act like that way. My actions and the way that I'm behaving is affecting them but I still have to remember that they're going through their own
0: process and that I'm doing my best. I don't know. Does that make sense? It totally makes sense. I feel like that's a tricky takeaway because I'm not saying that your behavior doesn't impact their behavior because it does. And really thoughtful parenting obviously makes a huge difference in how your kids turn out and in their behavior I feel like for me, it's kind of a self confronting issue. Jennifer Finlayson Fife uses that all the time, but that's that term, but that's basically just like look in your hearts and ask yourself and be willing to self confront. Is this behavior because of me? If so, then there's something that I need to do to change or shift. Or is it because this is a natural innate thing that they are struggling with and I'm making it about me when it really isn't like, I can honestly say my kids have been watching way too much TV lately because I've been working a lot. And so I'm self-confronting and I'm saying, yeah, their behavior lately hasn't been that great because they kind of turn into monsters when they watch TV and that's on me. But I'm not saying I'm a horrible mom and I've ruined them. I'm instead saying, okay, I want to figure out some structure. I want to have less screen time because I know that's going to impact their behavior positively and we're all going to be happier versus this dragging down shame. If Mm -hmm. that makes sense. So does that help at all, Jackie, to see the difference? Yeah, yeah. I
1: think that's kind of what I've just been trying to do lately, just thinking about it in that way, instead of blaming myself, feeling all this shame, just realizing, yeah, maybe I've yelled more in the past, but I'm doing better
0: now, and I'm not yelling at them as much now. Yeah. And I think having so much compassion for yourself, too, because when you're struggling with depression, that is so real, and you're just doing the best you can. And you can't beat up on yourself and be like, I've created this because of my depression. Again, that's part of their process. And so maybe they're supposed to have a mom that struggles with depression and anxiety so that they can learn how to be more compassionate and can become a really good part of who they are because of the limitations that their parents have. So I think like if we can be just so ruthlessly compassionate to ourselves, just intensely compassionate to ourselves... Our kids are going to be compassionate to themselves and to other people. And we're going to be able to love them better when we just are always coming from a place of, I am enough as a parent. I am doing my very best. They are enough and they are doing their very best. And we all have areas to improve, but coming at it with self-love and love for them, I think is the key. I'm so grateful to those women for the insights that they shared during our call and for their willingness to allow me to air it here so you could get a taste for what the Self-Assured Motherhood program will be like. I wanted to read you a testimonial from a mom who was on that call about what the program brought to her life. Jackie says, I had been looking and literally praying for something or someone to help me. I was in a very low place with my mental health and just overall feeling so overwhelmed with motherhood. I thought about it hard before I signed up for the program and finally decided to go for it. The thing that has helped me the most about this program has honestly been the accountability. It's easy to listen to podcasts and books and just think about all the things you could do to change, but being in a group with such a good mentor, a group of moms all in it together, the weekly calls and the simple homework makes it so that you're not just thinking and wishing, you're doing. I have been able to make some big changes in my life, and I'm feeling so much better. I'm so glad I decided to take a leap of faith to join this program. If you could also benefit from expert mentoring, gentle accountability, and meaningful community, please go to 3 30 podcastcom slash Sam to learn more about the program and reserve your spot before Friday night. Okay, to recap our three takeaways from this episode about what to do when your kids are being really hard, let's start with number one. Remember, you can't protect your kids from process. Like film in a dark room, your kids need to go through certain steps in order to develop into who they are supposed to be, and we can't skip through or rush that process. Many of their difficult behaviors might be necessary steps in their development as a human being, and it's our job to keep loving them and guiding them through. Second, don't make your child's behavior mean anything about you. While our mothering can certainly help and support our children, we ultimately are not in control of their choices or of who they become. The only thing we control is the way that we love them, and consistently working to get better at that defines a good mother, not the behavior of the children. And third and finally, let them feel their emotions. When we try to squash, silence, shame, or solve their emotions, we are again trying to rush their process instead of holding space for them to develop into who they are meant to be. These three takeaways are not easy, but I hope they will be helpful to you in times when your children are just plain difficult. I want you to know that I am rooting for you, that I would love for you to join my nine-month program so that I can get to know you better, and that I hope you have a beautiful week with your family.